Tired of the macho drinking culture? It's time to redefine manhood. Real Men Quit, the game-changing book that proves real strength isn't in a drink. Take control, boost performance, and reduce stress. Man up and grab your copy on Amazon today or visit buskerandbrown.com for free merchandise. Welcome to Flatpak Sober, the wonderful AF, with your host, Duncan Baskaran Brown. Hey there, Sober Warriors. Welcome to Flatpak Sober, your catalogue of tips, tricks and tactics to help you design your alcohol-free life. So I'm joined today by a property investor and a property developer and generally an all-round good property person. And the thing is, I really like hanging out with property people. And what I find is they've, they've got a great mindset. They like to solve problems. They like to think about things in different and creative ways. And that has elevated my thinking massively over the last couple of years. And one of the things that they always tell you to do is they say, you should always tell people you're in property. Always tell people what you do when you first meet them. And when I first met today's guest, I said, I help people to stop drinking. And well, he ended up on the show. So it's probably good advice. Tell people what you do. Look at that. Like, Sam, that's pretty good, isn't it? That's advice. And we've we've just done the introduction. That's not a bad start, is it? Fantastic. What a way to get going. Thank you so much for joining us today. Tell people a little bit more about what you do. Yeah, so my name's Sam Basto, Director of Tudor Gate Homes. We're a boutique developer based in the West Midlands. We focus on finding plots of land to put through the planning process and then build out and develop or sell on with the planning uplift in place or we build the homes and sell them. We also invest in property by finding tired and loved places that we convert or renovate and keep and add to the portfolio. Nice, nice, right. So I always ask people the same question right at the start. And I have a feeling, yeah, you're going to have a pre-prepared answer for this one. So you know Ikea, right? You're familiar with Ikea. Yeah, it's the bane of my life. I thought I thought we might be straying into difficult territory. Who knows? Anyway, if I gave you Billy Bookcase and said, right, Sam, I want you to build Billy Bookcase, what would be your approach? I'm quite methodical, strategic. I, my missus hates me for it, but I'll get all the pieces out and I'll put them out into their own sections and just organise it all. And then I'd get back in. I'm really slow. I'm okay. methodical. You do it right and you only have those few little screws left over at the end. The ones that they chuck in just to mess with your head, right? Yeah. Every single time I end up with leftover screws. Wit is a positive because probably 10 or 15 years ago, you were always missing. So now they've gone the other way. It's, I'd rather have it this way than that. Yeah, you say you're quite methodical. You like to sort of lay it out, have a look at it, sort of kind of absorb it, work out what you're doing and then get started. Is that a a fair summation of your style? Absolutely spot on. No tearing into boxes and I always read the instructions. Is that sort of like the way you approach life? If you've got a problem, you try and gather the information, think about it, work out all fits together and then move forward. Yeah, I think with anything in life, you've got to break it down. So you've got the bigger problem, or the bigger issue of trying to put that bookcase together. And then you think, right, I've just got to connect A to B. And number, number one is where A and B go into. And then before you know it, you've solved the problem. 
So I like to start off by getting to grips with people's kind of like approach to life. I sort of call them sober styles. So I would say you're quite like the reflector, you know, the person who, who absorbs it, thinks about it and then acts. And I like to start with that because what I want people to do is get an idea of where you're coming from, because some of the things you say might really resonate with them and some of them might not. And that might be just because they've got a different approach to life it might be because they've got a different style. So somebody who was very much more kind of one of the dynamos who does love to rip the packages apart, they might not gravitate to some of the stuff that you say. Uh, maybe they should consider it a little bit more because it's not what they'd naturally do. So now we've got you kind of, we've got you pegged and we know we've, we've worked out who you are. Where did you get with alcohol? How did you get on with that? Basically, I was growing up amazingly active, played football to a decent level and drinking was never part of my life. I said I'd never drink. But then as you, you get older and you're 15, 16, you taste a little bit and then you, you start going out. And then before you know it, you're drinking more and more. Always held down a job. It never really affected my work. But then you're just waking up feeling all fuzzy-headed. And then you think, feel better than this. It was never a particularly bad problem. But you know that I could be, yeah, you know there's more to it. You wouldn't run in the gutter, no driving license, no family, no home. But it was obviously just getting in the way of being who you wanted to be. Yeah, definitely. That is exactly how I'd describe it. And I say I didn't drink much, but it, it probably is a lot to some people. And it's probably not a lot to Paul Gascoigne, for example. But I could quite easily have a couple of bottles of red wine, probably four nights a week, chucking a few cans of Stella. Yeah, that, that was my daily habit for years, really. I mean, I don't like to set it up as a competition or anything. <laughs> um, to be honest with you, that sounds like enough to me. That sounds like a good enough reason to stop. So did you get any help? Did you go to a, a group or a, a therapist or a coach or anything like that? No, no group, no therapist, no coach. I've just decided to stop. It wasn't doing anything for me. So the main point, made me stop because I got COVID and it really knocked me about the hangover and I thought this hangover it's like three four days like when's it going to shake but it it didn't so I then took a COVID test and yeah had COVID and then I was too ill to too ill to have a drink didn't even feel like drinking water and then I thought Sam you've probably got so ill the lifestyle's not right so two and a half years ago now I just completely changed my lifestyle. Better eating, so I eat such clean food. Don't drink, don't drink caffeine. It was just a complete 180 that I did on myself. That's what really made me feel so much better. Okay, so, I mean, it was part of a bigger lifestyle change. Yeah, I think for some people it might suit to have a little change and another little change. But for me, it was just awakening that I want to be on the ball. I want to be able to perform. And I didn't miss not having a drink. So I thought, I'll just carry on. I'll just see how long I can go. It wasn't a case of, I'm going to give up forever. And yeah. it was, well, I haven't had a drink for a month. I just won't have a drink next month. And then that turned into six months. And then... 12 months and before you know it it's two and a half years and I've got no desire to go back to having a drink life's so much better without it 
fact that you're, you're much better without it and that does kind of why would you want it you know if you kind of figured out it was holding you back and you proved that by not drinking it and you're feeling a whole load better yeah absolutely why would you go back but that point about do you change everything all at once or do you change things gradually i could talk about that for the rest of the evening but we won't but one of the things that people like dr dean ornish talk about a lot with that is if you make the big changes you feel the big changes you know it, it has such a spectacular difference you get all of the benefit so it's so obviously a good thing does that kind of mirror your experience yeah i think it does you i mean it didn't feel like i um new man the next day but you appreciate what it feels like to actually feel normal because you you get used to the 70 percent normal whereas there's actually another 30 percentage points on top of that and it's just yeah phenomenal yeah. really i mean that 20 year hangover that i mistook for life <laughs> <laughs> know exactly what you mean yeah yeah okay cool that's really interesting just out of interest you said you eat quite clean so what do you mean by that what's what's your diet look like so basically I, I keep carbs to an absolute minimum figured that we don't need them um i have brown rice every day wholemeal rice and that's for my lunch along with some chicken egg omelette with chicken for breakfast chicken and rice for lunch and then lean meat with fresh veg for indians it's yeah and a bit of greek yogurt okay so you've kind of like knocked the processed stuff on the head it's very much it's things that you cook yeah all cooked by myself or the missus nothing pre-packaged no ready meals I think that's the key. There's so many additives food now and you don't realise you buy what you think might be, but you then look at the back and you're like, what's all this added stuff? Why isn't it just chicken? There's so, so much out there that is crap, basically. Interestingly, did you have any cravings for sugar? Because that's something that comes up every now and again. People go like really mad for the sugar when they stop drinking. Always been a bit of a sugar fiend, so I'm probably not the one to answer. But I've got, even though I do eat terribly clean. Well, it's, it's good to know that you're not completely perfect. I think we're, we're <laughs> happy with that. We're <laughs> happy with that. So you, 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 you stop drinking, you know, using your own steam, uh, your own kind of changing your own mind, I suppose. Do you think there's any advantages to doing it like that? Do you, have you noticed any benefits to that? I know that I've saved money by not going to a therapist, but I don't know about if there are any benefits or not, because I've never been on the, the side of the therapist, coach. I'd imagine that using a coach would be phenomenal to be there to bat ideas off and, and to be there at the end of the phone to, to ask somebody in or say, oh, I really fancy drink, what would you mean situation? But I do also feel like a great sense of achievement by just doing it single-handedly. I think there's a, a lot in that. You know, I think, I mean, I, I always think that you don't get conditioned into thinking in a particular kind of way, which you often do, whatever sort of therapeutic approach or what coaching approach or what group you end up thinking in the same sort of way as, as they are. And actually, I, I guess you we like to share the love, don't we? And we like to thank the people that have helped us in life. But, you know, you, you can re retain a little bit more of the credit if you've done it on your own, can't you? Yeah, definitely. And I am one for team but it, yeah, there's something nice about achieving it on your own. I know that's really interesting. I never thought of it like that. And I'm guessing business-wise, do you have a mentor, mastermind group, business coach, something like that? Yeah, I've got a got a mentor uh, that I bat ideas off business-wise. 
so it's not like you don't believe in that kind of thing it's just yeah i definitely think having somebody there to call upon that's lived through your experience whether that's in life or in business yeah i love that when you like a really decent business mentor and you go to them and you're like oh my god there's complete crisis everything's falling apart and they just sort of smile and go you tried this and you're like (laughs) yeah it's normally so easy for them because they've done it a thousand times. But if you don't know, you don't know. That's true. That's true. Ah, oh, perfect. So do you think there's, if you were going to say like one thing that's helped keep you away from alcohol, what, what would it be? I'd struggle to say one thing. So I'm going to say a few. Oh, the, I'll let you. <laughs> the main thing, I think, are these new vast variety of alcohol-free drinks. There's so many different lagers, gins, ciders. I think that's really helped. I, I do like the taste of a beer. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to name drop any? Ooh, my favourite is Heineken Zero. Okay. Doke. And Corona Zero tastes horrible, like the actual prop lager. I'd stay away from that. Yeah, Heineken Zero is the top one for me. The Peroni oh. one is good. But also, having a good network of friends really helped. So initially, when I said I wasn't drinking, they try and shove a drink under your nose and they say, go on, have a drink, have a drink. I only want, oh, hang on, actually, mate, just don't fancy it. And then after about a month, they realise that it's a choice made and that they're not going to change your opinion. And I think if people can be strong, strong enough to go against what their mates might necessarily try, you don't have to lose your friendship. Just say, look, I've made a decision. Just help me out with it, girl. Thank yeah. You. Do you know what? I think there's something quite interesting in the way you said that, you know, actually, mate, I don't really fancy it. That's kind of like, that's not like I have decided that alcohol is evil and you are an idiot for drinking it. That's just like, I don't fancy having one at the moment. You know, it doesn't, it's not even kind of like a long term thing. So do you think maybe the this sort of talking about it like that, it's less aggressive and it, it didn't put your mates backs up and didn't kind of put them off a little bit? Am I anywhere near there? I think that's right, because if you tell somebody that you can't do something, don't press the button. They press the button. So it's just, I just don't fancy it. Just like you fancy having a drink, I don't fancy having a drink. And it's so ingrained in our life, have a drink, in our social culture. It was a bit of a shock to me, but finally they got round to my way of thinking. They still drink. I still don't drink. We still go on nights out. I drive. And I think that's just how it works for me and my friendship group the best. And you enjoy it, and they enjoy it. Yeah, I'm not telling them not to drink. Yeah. So I don't expect them to say, you've got to have a drink. And they, they like it that way. I'm guessing kind of at the root of the friendship that you have, there's a lot more to it than simply alcohol. It's not like all you ever did together as a group was go out drinking, and then now you're not drinking. You wouldn't want to hang around with them. There's more to the, the friendship than simply beer, isn't there? Yeah, there are friendship groups from school or from football, and it's, yeah, going out to birthdays or wedding meals out. There's more to it than just, like, five o'clock after all, we're, we're going to go down Cool. So obviously there's, uh, you know, the friends that you had before you stopped drinking and uh, you've found a like a really good way of navigating through that and focusing on the, the relationship rather than, than just the alcohol. And that's brilliant. But have you found yourself spending more time in any other communities or groups of people since you've stopped drinking? The gym. I like going to the gym. So that was one thing that I neglected while I was being a bit healthy. And I've, I've picked that up again down to a good date. 
the lowest resting heart rate I've ever had at 46 beats a minute, which I'm really chuffed about. Yeah, yeah, um, that's I'd stick that on my business cards. <laughs> yeah, it's it's great. They're sort of at quarter past five every morning. And I don't I wouldn't be able to do that if I was waking up fuzzy headed. Did you say quarter past five? I'm at the gym for quarter past five. Yeah. So I interviewed a guy a while back called Nick and he is always he always puts photographs of his watch on social media because it is like it, it, he's a big gym bunny as well. <clears throat> he won a gold medal in powerlifting. So like oh, good effort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an amazing guy. Uh, episode one. You definitely, definitely listen to it. Anywho's the idea of me doing anything at quarter past five. When I was drinking, it's just like maybe going to bed at quarter past five, but definitely yeah. not getting up. Yeah, scraping the kebab off your bed sheets <laughs> so you can have a sound warnings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that feels like a really good thing for you because you said when you were a kid, you were very active. You were doing all of the sports, lots of football. So you find yourself getting kin to that kind of thing. And that's that's nice, I guess. Yeah, it's very nice. It's a whole mindset change. I think. With drinking, it blurs your judgment whilst you're the influence, but it also takes away that motivation when you're not drunk. And yeah, it's nice to be able to reconnect with your body and know how it should feel and how it should function. Yeah, I do see that. I think that is something that comes up all of the time and it, it comes up, it's always very different for different people, but you know, that like. What, why do we drink? I, there's lots of reasons, but I think part of it is to kind of try and disconnect yourself from your body, to not feel what is going on in your body. And I think there's something enormously powerful in re-establishing that connection. And for you, that's an important part of going to the gym. Yeah, it's probably the most, you're more in tune with your body and your mind and you, you think more clearly, you've got the energy, you've got the get up to go. Even though you're getting exhausted, yeah, you then recover and you're you're fitter and stronger and more energetic than you were before. Yeah, thing is, I, I completely agree. I I spent ten years in the fire service, and we'd always we'd always drill on Tuesday evenings, and I'd always turn up seven o'clock start, and I'd always turn up like quarter to seven, and I'd be like, oh don't want to do anything can we sit in the lecture room kind of thing and then they'd be like right we'll be out on the yard putting up ladders something like that and you know I would leave with more energy than I came after carrying a 13 and a half meter ladder around and throwing it up against the drill tower it's that irony that actually expending that energy gives you so much more in return doesn't it yeah you get that rush of endorphins and it makes you feel so much better and you're not feeling dull that's how i describe it what it was like before you just feel a bit dull yeah cool now probably do have to pull you up because you did say you didn't spend a load of money on the therapist but you did you just didn't realize that the gym was the therapist right actually bloody good point yeah <laughs> oh bloody pure gym conning me into getting a therapist <laughs> Uh, yeah, but like therapist with a, and, and it improves your resting heart rate. You can't complain, can you? So you mentioned kind of mindset and the, the, the shift in mindset. Anything else that you got to add to that that's changed since you stopped drinking in the terms of the way you think and approach stuff? Probably had better relationships with my friends, family, especially my father. He used to drink a lot and then just completely knocked it on the head way before me, probably 12 years ago. So he's seen both sides of it himself. But 
if we'd arranged to do something and then like uh, give me 10 minutes i'll be there like on a saturday or sunday morning with a hangover and then i wouldn't be that interested so i think that's useful in the relationship yeah no no absolutely and i think that's that's quite interesting so your dad stopped drinking same way as you just decided it had had enough of it and just knocked it on the head yeah his mates started dying so he thought i've got to stop drinking yeah when he was about yeah 50 52 just thought yeah stop that you kind of like as a bloke with a dodgy diet and a bit of an issue with drinking you hit your 50s and you start to realize you have walked squarely into heart attack territory so it's really like motivating yeah. isn't it yeah. yeah i mean it was a good wake-up call hopefully he'll be around for a lot longer now yeah um and yeah, get to see all of him yeah and I, I mean like you were saying you know be, actually being interested in what you're doing and being present you know it's not just the fact that you live longer it's like that you know life is is genuinely fuller as a result yeah my life has never been more full i make the best use of every single minute of every day because I feel great feel on top of the world there's no no stopping me. i think it's yeah life's brilliant because i've got 100% clarity of focus yeah i mean great isn't it more energy more time more focus what what's not to like so you mentioned the uh alcohol free drinks and that is always a bit of a point of contention some people love them some people don't I think you should find your own path. Those are obviously very helpful. Have you found any other any other products quite useful? Haven't really used any other products. Nah. If you mean something like the drinking version of a nicotine patch, I'm not even aware of any products that they're like. Oh, well, that's 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 because you don't spend enough time with sober coaches. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I just uh, kind of like think about apps and stuff like that. But I guess, do you use fitness trackers? Do you use fitness apps, stuff like that? Only the, the app that comes with my Pure Gym membership. But what I do do occasionally, I'll type in the date that I stopped drinking, which was the day after England lost the Euro 2021, just to see how many days it is. Oh, okay. So I'll say how many days since x date i can't remember what the date is now and then it will tell me how many days and it's like actually that's quite monumental yeah yeah no that is good that is good and i love, I love your way of remembering it that's just just brilliant like if you want to remember when you stop doing it uh when you stop drinking uh give up the day after england lose a football match and you know you'll be spoiled for choice of opportunities to stop doing <laughs> yeah i mean it's quite lucky really because i'm terrible at remembering dates so it's it's quite convenient that it just so happens to be that day because football you can remember dates not so much that's brilliant that's brilliant so any other big changes that have gone on in your life that you've sort of like think might be related to stopping drinking i don't think so i think you've covered it better in business better with relationships better lifestyle Drinking, it's one of those things that people don't realise it affects them until they actually stop doing it. And then you have yeah, a no, knock-on effect. I, I completely agree with you. I, I do a lot of work these days with 
coaches, so business coaches and personal trainers and holistic practitioners and things like that. And we start the conversation sometimes and they go, oh no, I don't think it affects my clients. And I'm like, well, either you don't have any clients or, (laughs) you know, you have a really weird subset. Because like, you know, 80% of people drink. So obviously some of the people you're working with are drinking. And if some of them are drinking, some of them will probably be drinking more than they should do. So, and, you know, it starts off like that. And then as they kind of like, they start to see it and they start to become aware of it. And you can't unsee that stuff. And then I get people going, do you know what, Duncan? I see it all the time now. I'd, I'd, I'd never noticed it before, but now I just, you know, I see so many people out there and not necessarily always drinking at that really problematic level, but just like having an attitude towards alcohol, which is just like, well, you know, it's like I go to the shops and I buy some chicken and I buy some brown rice and I buy two bottles of wine and they're all the same thing when in actual fact one of those is quite poisonous yeah it's poison at the end of the day that's why if we drink too much throw it back up yeah in fact i interviewed a lady who lacked the enzyme that breaks down well acetylaldehyde into acetone which is part of the process of your body dealing with alcohol so she gets like the really serious kind of feelings of the poison of it straight away because her body isn't very good at breaking it down and i was thinking that's so interesting because actually we're all getting that it's just because our body's quite good at processing it we notice a bit it a bit less but we're all getting it she's just a more extreme example of it yeah if more people were like that they might actually realize the damage that it can do and i think the people yeah. who do really come a cropper through drinking too much is the ones that say, oh, I've never had a hangover or it takes me ages to get drunk. I can have 10 points and still be sober. But it's the damage that it's doing that you don't see. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Sometimes I think I didn't have a hangover for 20 years or I just had a hangover for 20 years. I never quite work out which one, probably a little bit of both. But um, no, I'm like you, I'm like you absolutely right. So you think you're beyond alcohol? say i am i don't miss having a drink great not drinking i don't see why i would substitute what i've got now having a drink it's not like my life is going to go off the rails if i decide to go out and, and, and drink some lager and i'll rein it back in if I need to. but i just love waking up feeling i love being able to do things national trust members i wouldn't go there if i was nursing a hangover yeah. No, I mean, I get the impression that, you know, you, you're very happy. You've built yourself a great life. You know, you've got business, relationships, health. Like, honestly, why would you swap that? It just it wouldn't make any sense, would it? No, yeah, it'd be like trading a tenner for a quid. And of course, as a uh, shrewd investor, you tend to do that the other way around, right? Yeah, it's, it's not the best business model to, <laughs> to buy high and sell low. No, no, that's not gonna. That's not gonna work. Although you do occasionally see it on Homes Under the Hammer, don't you? But that's uh... yeah. And and Tim Nice but Dim from the old Harry Enfield days. Why high, sound low? Yeah, champion. Okay. So, do you like the IKEA meatballs? That's the big wedge question I like to ask at the end of the show. I've never actually had them. 
That's fine. This is like just one of the really bad segues that I like to use. So my view is that nobody likes the IKEA meatballs, but you kind of have to eat them because you're in IKEA. And that's my way of sort of introducing this idea that like, what's the thing that people don't want to do, but they really need to do? So, you know, if you want to enjoy being sober, if you want to enjoy life, what's the thing that you don't want to do, but you really should? You probably find something to replace the void that drinking might cause. So that could be still going out, but not condensing your social circle. Still go out, you an alcohol-free alternative or go to the gym. So if you've never been to the gym before, but you know at seven o'clock after you've had your dinner, you're going to be opening up a bottle of wine. Just think, well, I've had my dinner. I'll go to the gym. Just have a different habit. Yeah, I think, you know, there's so many alternatives out there. You just got to uh, kind of like embrace them, really, haven't you? So people wanted to find out a little bit more about what you do. How could they get in touch with you? How could they find out? Where do you hang out? I tend to hang out on LinkedIn quite a lot. You can find me on there. Just type my name in, Sam Basto. That's B-A-S-T-O-W. And you can find me by searching for Tudor Gate Homes on social media. Or send us an email, sam at tudorgatehomes.co.uk. Fantastic. We'll put all of uh, all of those links in the show notes and everything. Look, I mean, thank you very much for, for your time today, Sam. It's, uh, it was a really interesting chat. And I think you are currently the record holder for the uh, the lowest resting pulse that's been on the podcast. So <laughs> thanks for your time. It's been a pleasure, Duncan. I've really, really enjoyed myself. And it's been a pleasure. So that's all we've got time for on this episode of Flat Pack Sober. Don't forget to visit flatpacksober.com where you can find out your sober style and see all of the show notes. Next up, I've got an amazing interview for you with Sabrina Bush. She is an altruistic live organ donor. And if you're not sure what that is, you definitely got to tune in to figure out just how incredibly generous this lady is. But she's also got an amazing story with alcohol. And she's also a, a real expert in purpose and meaning. And we got very deeply into that and into a lot of other stuff. It's an amazing interview. You wouldn't want to miss it so i will see you next time on flat pack sober i hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did bringing it to you if you love what you're hearing and want to stay updated join the flat pack sober community on facebook don't forget to click the subscribe button